God bless fantasy football. There are many things a man can do with his time. And this is better than those things. One week down, 13, no, what, 15 more weeks to go, which is exciting to think about if we make it that far. Uh, it was really, really good to have football back, really good to be back. Um, it, pretty much every week we can come back and do this podcast is a blessing at this point because we don't know how long this is going to last. I'm your host, one-time league champion, Andrew Gelblatt, formed by my, joined by my co-host, two-time champion, current SACO of the league, Andrew Seiler. Seiler, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, you know, for the first time since probably February, March, everything felt normal, relatively normal, even though there were no fans in most of the stands. Um, but it was just really, like, wonderful to just sit on my couch for, like, 10 hours and just watch football. Once Scott Hansen says, and here's seven hours of commercial-free football, it's just a wonderful day after that. So I'm, I agree. I'm doing it great. Is- it felt weird in the sense that I couldn't go to a bar or go to meet up with people to watch the games, but it was nice to just have that, that time again that I, it's just like a four hour period that I know is just committed to watching the one o'clock games. So it was really, it was pretty funny because the one, it was funny because the one stadium that was allowing fans was the Jacksonville Jaguars and they barely have any fans to begin with. So <laughs> there's a I little saw, bit of irony right there. I saw something where, I forget, maybe it was the pan, some team, and it was like, how does it feel to, uh, you know, with no fans at the stadiums? And they were like, oh, well, it's kind of like playing at the Bucks stadium. It, it just kind of felt a little off. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, hopefully this episode will not be an hour and a half like last time because we won't be going over the draft, but we've got recap of last week. We've got our power rankings. We've got our predictions. So let's just jump right into it. I guess, Tyler, we'll start with your matchup. How did you feel about your team last week? So going into it, I was a little concerned because I thought that Caniglio had the better matchups. Um, But then I watched the Vikings get absolutely dismantled by Aaron Rodgers. And even though it was depressing as a fan of the Vikings to watch in the back of my mind, I was like, well, at least that's fantasy points. So once Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams scored like 70 points, I thought I was in really good shape after that. Yeah. So you, you win 153 to 97 off of big performances by Aaron Rodgers, Chris Carson, actually also who actually, who, who surprisingly did not have a big rushing day. He just had two, he had two touchdowns that really saved his day. Uh, and then also, like you mentioned, Devontae Adams. On the flip side, Caniglio did get a good performance out of Zeke, but literally no one else on his team showed up, which I don't know is something to be worried about because we both have him, had him, and I think I still do have him pretty, high, pretty highly ranked on our power rankings. So he's got some big star power there with Chubb, Allen Robinson, Hunter Henry, A.J. Green. You know, like those are names that you expect to be putting up 15 to 20 points every week. So on paper, it seems like his team should be a threat to anyone he plays, which I am, I have the honor of playing him this week. It was just an odd week for his team, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I think he got a little unfortunate with some game scripts like Nick Chubb. I mean, the Ravens won 38 six. So obviously they weren't going to be running when they were down really early. Um, AJ Green had a couple really nice catches that didn't count. 
Um, but he looks like if if he can stay healthy, AJ Green could be a huge bargain for Caniglio. And I definitely still like his team going forward too. Yeah, I agree. I thought, yeah, I think it might. I think it was just uh, an alignment of the stars where everyone on his team had a poor performance. Because I mean, uh, and I think this is actually just to take a step back before we even talk more about the matchups. There was actually a, a very little volatility between points scored by winners and points scored by losers. If you look at it, you know, if you look, but outside of you, the people who won their game, Siler had a, was myself with one hundred and thirty point oh six, Russell with one hundred and thirty one point four. Lee with 130.8, my brother with 131.88, and Wyatt with 130.48. So, I mean, pretty much there was a, like, there was a, not a lot of different, like, basically, if you scored over 130 points this week, you were going to win. Um, but it's interesting because with Caniglio, all he needed was, like, one or two of his players to blow up, and he could have kind of hit that threshold. So, I think it was just kind of a, mm-hmm. a poor alignment of the stars. On the flip side, also, when we look at losers, everyone was pretty much around that, like, 110 point. You have Dane with 110, outside of Nate, sorry. Uh, Noah with 109, uh, Scott with 113, Caniglio with uh, pretty much 100, and and uh, Corals with 115. So it, there's a parallel world where some of these matchups were different, and you have myself losing to Lee by uh, point, uh, point seven four points and you have my brother beating Wyatt, uh, not Wyatt, Russell by 0.44 point. You know, it's like there were, there could have been some really close matchups here if some of them were swapped up. So luckily the stars aligned in some people's favors, unfortunately for others it did not, but it seems like that 130 point just to kind of keep in your head is you want to hit, if you hit 130, it seems like you're going to win. So I think by us updating the QBs here, it's going to be like people are going to win their matchups by like point oh you know eight or something like that it's going to be crazy it's going to be i mean there was a potential for it to happen this week so i'm going to just start from the bottom of my list and then work my way back up just because you were in the middle uh, the next matchup i have is corals against wyatt coral uh, wyatt pulls out a 15 point victory on the back of a monstrous russell wilson performance against the falcons a huge DeAndre oh, DeAndre Hopkins opening game and a very solid performance by Dalvin Cook, who was luckily able to get some good work in before, you know, they were getting, you know, while they were getting blown out. On the flip side, Quarles yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say on the flip side, team, uh, you know, had to deal with a Miles Sanders injury. You had Henry Ruggs getting hurt. And Mike Evans, you know, while he did play, saw very little targets, so. Yeah, it's funny because Wyatt named his team Dalvin and Hopkins, and they were both, like, very key contributors to his win. And Corals finally made the name change from potentially the worst name we've ever seen in our league. And I don't, like, it's better, but, like, the name is just too long now. (laughs) I don't know. Rug, it's it's like really I don't even. Is that a reference to something? I think it looks like it's a picture of um of the do uh what's the oh the big Lebowski. Oh right, and the rug and the which I, I've probably seen like yeah, I've probably seen it like once, so I don't really remember the reference. But like, I guess the team is better. But guys, guys, I think you could still do better than this. I know. I agree, and. 
yeah. But getting back to the matchup, I thought Wyatt's team was really strong. Like that, like he, I, I, I can only imagine Jared Cook's value is going to go up now with Michael Thomas being out for a little bit. And if DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to play like that with Kyler Murray running around, I, I think he's going to possibly be one of the biggest. While he did get him very early in the draft, he probably could have arguably been like a, the number one receiver. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you'll you'll see it in my power rankings too. I definitely think Wyatt made a big jump this week. And with Melvin Gordon now taking on the role because um, Philip Lindsay's out for probably a few weeks and Sutton's been a little banged up and he has Jerry Judy. So a lot of things are just going Wyatt's way right now and it's really improving his team. Yeah, I get worried with Quarles' team with depth. I think now that it's basically – you know, if Miles Sanders gets hurt again, Philip Lindsay's also hurt. Who are they going to play a running back? Yeah, they're lucky that they're getting him back this week and Mike Evans, but I agree. I think that they're a little short on depth. Um, but the two tight end strategy wasn't that bad this week, although Ruggs did outperform Darren Waller. So they're going to have to start choosing going yeah. forward if they want to keep playing Darren Waller or if they want to use Ruggs in the flex. Again, my whole thing with them with the two tight end strategy is that they could have got it, – it's where they got him. Like, if they were able to get Waller in, like, the ninth round, yes, draft two tight ends. Like, Russell took Ingram fairly late in the draft, was able to get a second tight end. They could have – they needed more running backs. They could – they were – I think we went through it when we did our draft analysis. There were so many running backs available when they took Waller that it just wasn't worth the investment. Like, they're, like they're not going to get the points – like from a, a total point standpoint, they're losing total points by not having an additional running back that that's going to be able to help fill them during bye weeks, during injuries. Well, also now that I look at it, not like they probably would have played Slayton anyway, but had they played Darius Slayton, they would have won their matchup. So, ah. yeah, no, I think they have they have some. They're it's it's weird. I don't know how I feel about their team. They should try to trade one of their bench wide receivers for. For a running back, that's—I mean—I think that would make the most sense. For them, I think—I don't think people are really up to trading their running backs. You know, I think running back. Uh, well. Thin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is definitely thin, but like, if Slayton can start stringing together some big performances, he actually looks really good then people might be more willing to trade one of the running backs. So we'll just have to see how yeah. that goes. No, I was hoping to get Slayton in the draft. I thought, he, I thought he'd be able to fall to me, but they took him like right before I was going to. All right, next up we had Lee against Noah. Lee wins the matchup 130 to 109, and Noah does not even play a defense in this game. Lee wins with big performances behind with Calvin Ridley in garbage time, the return of Juju Smith-Schuster, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with a monster debut on the flip side Noah did have a great performance had great performances through Josh Jacobs and Kyler Murray but his other big name players such as Austin Eckler Marvin Jones Jr. and Ola Beckham failed to show and make you a little bit nervous for the year yeah I mean first I have to focus on Lee because not only did his team name change to a pretty respectable team name, I think Fresh Prince of Hell Air is, is good. So, well, I mean, I don't think you're a listener of the podcast yet, but good job, Lee. Um, and, like, Lee's team, sneaky good. I've now – so just so everyone knows, we've renamed all the divisions. 
Um, and this specific division is Lee's division. He's in first place. He's, he has a firm stranglehold after one week. And I think it's Lee's division until proven otherwise. Um, so Lee, even though you're losing James Conner for a little bit, um, you got fortunate because Naheem Hines is going to have a big role now. And Sonny Michelle's going to be the main running back, I guess, in New England for a little bit. So even though you went through a small setback, Lee, I'm liking your team going forward. You, good job. Keep you know, it the up. Only, I, the only thing I wish he did was that he had paid more attention to the waivers and had picked up Goddard so that he can replace Hooper with him. Because I don't think Hooper – Hooper is going to just be a big like – he, he'll have, like, a big game, maybe, like uh, – he'll probably have two or three big games over the 13 games. But he could have won for Goddard and really made a massive improvement on his team. But, yeah, like you're saying, I think he has really great pieces. I'm just worried about his management of the team. But speaking of management, I think Noah, while he might have some of the best – probably the best roster in the league – I think he is going to – I was just watching an episode of The League last night where basically Pete tells Ruxin that he can set his lineup for him, that he's not worried about it. Like, Noah has so many decisions he has to make every week that he's always going to make the wrong one. Like, he, there's no way he's going to – like, 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 we were, like we were talking about on Xbox last night, um, if he had just played his normal lineup and had played Eckler instead of Boston Scott – and it played Amari Cooper and Tyler Lockett instead of trying to get fancy with Marvin Jones Jr., uh, he would have won the game. So he's going to he, – and Noah's a And played a defense. Right. And, but Noah's a tinkler. Like, he loves tinkering with his, with his lineups. He likes trying he's, – he's, he's almost like Russell White, where, like, Russell, like, picks up, like, way obscure people, and Noah tries to do that but, does, but is a little bit more cautious with it. He just – he's going to tinker too much and he's going to, he's going to lead, he's going to make some decisions that it's like, Oh, from a fantasy standpoint, Oh my God, Boston Scott's now the lead running back. How could I not play him? And, and it's like, well, why wouldn't you just play your, the the number one rule in fantasy football is you play your studs. You play your studs always. Well, for Russell, it works for Noah. It clearly does not work. I also, and we were talking about this yesterday on Xbox, if Noah loses a tiebreaker by whatever defense he may have picked up, he's going to regret this for so long. Plus, he has to drop someone for a defense at some point. He's not right. just going to go the whole without a defense. And whoever he drops, someone will pick up because exactly. his bench is that yeah. big. Exactly. So he's in a weird, he's in a really weird situation. Like he's probably so pissed that he has to drop someone. He he's probably sitting there being like, "Siler, I told you we needed seven bench spots so we have even rounds of drafting." <laughs> Or or odd whatever even yeah even rounds for draft for the draft board, um, I would be able to hold on to everyone right now. So yeah, I agree. I think he's he's gonna have to drop someone, and he's gonna constantly make the wrong decisions. Where he's gonna be like, I knew he's gonna be like, I was up till three in the morning deciding between Tyler Lockett, and uh, and Ben Marquise Brown, and I couldn't figure decide, so I decided just to go with Lockett and Marquise Brown as a fifty point game. It's like he's he's never gonna. He'll get it. I mean, obviously, he'll get it right sometimes, but I have a feeling the majority of the time he's going to be wrong. It's like Nate last year where he had too many options and it just didn't work out for him because he just couldn't play the right combination. Exactly. So the next matchup we had, unless there's anything else you want to talk about with this team, was Russell against Nate, which I feel like is a sneaky, even though they're not in the same division, it's one of the, the sneakier rivalries in the league just from how much you know they, they hang out together. 
Russell dominates Nate, not with a dominant performance, but almost just more of a poor performance by Nate, 131 to 74. Russell had nice performances from Lamar Jackson, Raheem Mostert, DK Metcalf, Chargers defense, Travis Kelsey. Nate had very poor showings by T.Y. Hilton, Saquon Barkley, George Kittle, Antonio Gibson. Nate seems in a weird spot, even though I still like it. And it's odd because I'm pretty sure I still have Nate ranked higher than Russell. But Saquon Barkley, that was an ugly game by him. That was the Pittsburgh defense knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they decided to do it very effectively. I think, well, yes. And I think that that does not bode well for Saquon going forward. But, like, Pittsburgh does have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And he still managed to get 10 points, which was mainly receiving. Because I saw at one point he had, like, 12 rushes for like negative two yards or something like that. So that's pretty rough. Um, And while he did have some unfortunate things happen, like Kittle getting banged up and Gibson not being the main guy and, and all these things, he did get a little fortunate in that he has Benny Snell who looked really good. Yeah. So I think this is like a weird week for Nate, but like, I think he does still have potential going forward. Yeah, especially because he can replace Jordan Howard with Benny Snell. So I agree. That's a big replacement. On the flip side, you know, Russell's team, which I think we, we – it kind of just feels like a hodgepodge of players. Um, you know, Kelsey Ingram. I, I don't know. You just look at his team and you're just like, where it doesn't feel cohesive, but they put a really strong performance together. I don't know how I feel about – Devin Singletary going forward. It could have just been the game script. You know, they were up by so much. They didn't really need to use him. And what makes me nervous about that is that outside of Devin Singletary, he, he literally does not have a third running back on his roster outside of Raheem Mostert and Devin Singletary. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm a little worried about that too, especially like when a bye week happens, he has to pick someone up. Um, what sucks about having a Buffalo running back is that Josh Allen probably is going to score 75% of the rushing touchdowns that they even have. It's like being a running back when with like Cam Newton there, where if they're at the one, yeah, they could hand it off to a running back or they could just go right over the top or like run with Josh Allen on QB sneak. So it sucks having a Buffalo running back that combined with the fact that Zach Moss was getting a lot of work too. Yeah. So his second running back it's just not – I mean, Singletary is just not an ideal person to have going forward. And I kind of like the rest of his team. I think that they do have a lot of potential. It's just that spot's going to kill him, I think, all year long. Yeah, I agree. And the last matchup we had was myself against Dane. I came out on top 130 to 111. I had good performances. Big Ben looked like Big Ben was back. Christian McCaffrey, of course, put up a good game. Aaron Jones could have had a much bigger day. He should have had, like, at least three touchdowns. He just, like, couldn't get it in. And then Jamison Crowder kind of saving my day with a, 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 I think it was, like, a 67 or 68-yard kind of scrappy touchdown. You know, Dane, on the other hand, outside of Matt Ryan, nothing really too crazy. Robert Woods had a good performance. TJ Hawkinson – had a touchdown that really saved his day. Same with DJ Shark, did not have many yards, but had a touchdown. The only, the only, the biggest concern I have with my team right now is this Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins situation, and what the hell is going to be. I just, 
it kills me that I did this. I wish there was just a straight answer. Just either be like, you know what, Ingram did not play because we were up by so much, so we were just letting the rookie get some some touches in, or just say Dobbins is going to be our guy. Ingram is going to kind of be the backup. It's going to be a headache all year long because depending on the week, like they're going to use Ingram sometimes at the goal line. They're going to use J.K. Dobbins sometimes at the goal line. So that is going to be really frustrating. Um, I think I'm still a little concerned with your QB situation, but Roethlisberger did have a good matchup this week against the Giants. I think he's um, a- and your team. Oh, I think Denver has a really good defense, actually. I'm a little I think they, I think concerned they, about him against Denver. I think when their players are healthy, they have a good defense, but they have no one on their team now. So, Well, they lost Von Miller, but I think that they still have a pretty good D even no, without I think Von they Miller. lost A.J. Bouye also. I don't even know they had A.J. Bouye. No, um, but they still have Simmons. They still have Bradley Chubb. Um, and their linebackers, I think. Too. What did you say? I think Bradley Chubb's a little hurt, too. Oh, I actually did not see that. Yeah. So maybe he will have a decent game. But on the other side, Dane got really screwed because Marlon Mack went out probably around halftime, if not earlier than that, with a torn Achilles. And Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain. So two of his players on his team basically were ineffective or completely injured and couldn't even play. So I think that really sucks for him in this matchup. And also that's, that's going to really suck going forward, too. Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas is kind of, uh, you know, when you look at his team, Michael Thomas is that guy who I think is supposed to be the game winner for him. And without Michael Thomas, he's going to have to, what, play Shark and Robert Woods and then Deshaun Jackson as his flex or because he's going to have to put in Zach Moss as his RB2. I think he dropped We'll have to see. I, I, we, let's, we'll have to go to their, their rosters. But that was the recap of last week. Next, what I want to do is just go. Oh, wait, no, we didn't. What we got to do Scott's matchup with uh, with Brian. Oh, I missed it. Oh, what a poor moderator I am. Uh, where was it? Why did I skip it? Oh, yeah, I must have skipped it. Okay, so we had Scott against Brian. Brian comes out with 131 over 113. Really big, good performance by Josh Allen. Todd Gurley saves his day with a touchdown. Do we have the return of David Johnson? And then some solid points from his kicker and defense. On the flip side, Derrick Henry was only able to score 17 points off 31 carries, which is, you know, obviously a, a decent performance, but you would hope more off of 31 carries. Uh, Godwin was not doing so hot. It was, uh, the Tampa Bay game was a little bit weird to watch. It's, it's, it's funny to see Tom Brady kind of default back to just throwing to Scotty Miller in the slot. And Thielen really saving his team with the 33-point performance. Yeah, the, the Tom Brady connection was like, you are short, you are white, you are quick, you're Julian Edelman. So he's, he's just looking for Julian Edelman uh, back in the glory days. So he just kept going to Scotty Miller. But yeah, I mean, for Scott, it was a little disappointing because I still really like his team a lot. And Jonathan Taylor, I kind of expected a lot more from him, especially with Mac going down. Now he's, um, now he's like the guy. He basically just walked into that. He had he had nothing before. Like, he did not have a second running back, and now he does. He's a legitimate RB two all of a sudden. Well, 
It's funny because I feel usually Scott's on the other end of it where he has the guy that's getting hurt and is out for the entire season. But this time (laughs) Scott's on the other end and he's getting a little fortunate. And I told Brian I'd apologize, but I mean, okay, sorry, Brian. I thought you would lose. I still don't really like your team that much, but congratulations on your win this week. That's funny. Okay, so before we go into our power rankings, just wanted to look up some, um, just kind of what what was going on this week with transactions. You know, I think week one is really the most, weeks one through four are really the most important when it comes to waiver wire. Uh, So when we look at some of the bids, we see that you put in a ton of money for Malcolm Brown, if you want to talk about that after we go through everything. I put in a lot of money for Paris Campbell. We have Dane picking up La Laviksha. Who the hell is that? Is that the guy on Miami? Levisha. No, he's on the Jaguars. I remember he went to like Colorado or something in college. Okay. Uh, we had Noah putting in a bunch of money for Dallas Goddard. Great. So what's he going to do with that on his bench when he has to drop everyone? We had Corals picking up Jarek McKinnon. And then we had Dane putting in, again, a lot of money for Josh Kelly, which could be a good pickup. We have – and then that was that was really it for, for, for waiver wire itself. So, you know, obviously Malcolm Brown was the hot commodity this week. You basically spent 50% of your fab budget on him. What was your rationale for that? So for me, I always end up with too much money at the end, and I regret not using it. Um, there's a reason that we called the old league Jewish bidders is because we're all, we all just don't want to spend money on free agents. And I figured, like, Matt Breida was, like, the third string running back on Miami who has, like, an atrocious running game. And this was like my one chance to pick up someone that actually might have a role going forward and would be a valuable contributor during bye weeks and would just help me on my team a lot. So I figured instead of just letting my money sit there and be wasted for the whole season, I might as well make it work for me. Gotcha. Okay. And I spent a lot of money. My, my wide receiver depth is really shallow. And so Paris Campbell kind of, it almost seems like he's filling that Mike Williams role for, for Philip Rivers on that offense. And so to be able to get that caliber of a player in a in a environment on my team that desperately needed some wide receiver depth, it was it was worth a fifth of my my fat budget. But okay, moving forward, let's go into our power rankings. I think what we did last week was good. Where let's why don't you go through yours and I'll just kind of tumble, I'll talk about that player at the same time and where I move them to. Sure. So we'll start from the bottom up, which is what we did last week. Um, And for me, I had Dane all the way toppling to 12. Um, A lot of that is because of the injuries to to Mac and to Michael Thomas. And like, as you kind of said, when we were going over the matchups, Michael Thomas was like going to be his reliable guy to, you know, carry him for a lot of weeks. He had the most receptions in NFL history last year. And now he's out for a third or he's out for like a minimum of three games probably. So just with that, I, I just, Dane's team looks so much worse now. So I have him at 12. Yeah. I have him at 12 too. For pretty much all the same reasons I brought him down from eight to 12. Not really much more to add there. Okay. Uh, number 11, 
I have Brian, which is a slight improvement from 12, where I had him last week. Um, you did have a nice week, Brian, but I just can't get behind Mike Gesicki as your tight end. I can't get behind. Yeah, uh, I mean, John Brown's guy. a good receiver, but he's another guy. That? He's another person. I'm surprised he didn't put more money into Dallas Goddard. Um, he didn't. He's not a tight end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gesicki's not like the most reliable guy. Um, I still am a known girly disbeliever or non-believer, whatever. And Josh Allen has another good matchup this week, but I j- he's going to be very, like, all over the board to me in fantasy where some weeks he'll put up 30 to 40 and some weeks he'll put up, like, five. So I just – I don't like Brian's team that much going forward. I actually – I have Brian at six from, from seven last week. I, I – I, like we've talked about, I like his team. I think that Gurley is in for a bounce back year and that his receivers are fairly – you know, he has obviously the best, I would say, receiver duo in the league. And that Josh Allen, I, I, I do agree that he'll, he does he's, – he's a very volatile uh, quarterback. But I think his ceiling is – like the potential for his ceiling outweighs the, the, the lows he'll have on his floor. Like, I think well, his, this week I think he'll be just fine. But, yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I think that the rushing yards helps him and raises his floor a little bit. But just the unstable arm worries me. Yeah. All right, who do you have at 10? At 10, I have Nate, actually. And I had him at five last week. And I thought I'd be moving him up. After looking at his team last week, I was like, oh, you know, he could be in the top three. But a lot of weird things happened, like what we kind of talked about, where AP, who looks pretty good on Detroit in his first game, he almost had 100 yards. But, like, Swift could be the guy going forward because he's younger. So I don't know about that. Gibson is apparently not the guy because Peyton Barber throwback is seems like the number one guy in Washington. He's got Kittle banged up. He's got a lot of people banged up. And his team, which looked really good on paper, did not perform well. So I have him uh, downgraded to 10. Okay, I actually have Nate. I I also downgraded Nate, but I have him at four. For Again, I think we're we're kind of – we're in the same realm of why. I I think his team – from a running back perspective, is a little off. And until his wide receivers can really show, you know, they're big names, but until they can put some values in the names, I'm going to keep knocking him down in the rankings. Okay, at nine. And I guess just to disclose, like, I would say from, like, teams three to ten, very difficult because there's no, I don't necessarily – like hate your teams or anything. It was very hard for me to like distinguish yeah. and you're all still very close together. Um, That's very but nice. at nine, I, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sugarcoating everything right now. Um, so, so don't be discouraged everyone. Um, but at nine, I have corals. I have corals. And up. I think, okay. Um, I think, that they do have a lot of potential and that they could make a big jump this week if they perform well. But I just think they've had a lot of injuries and instability. And now Lindsay's banged up. 
Um, you know, you have Evans and AJ Brown who are a little banged up. Miles Sanders hasn't even played. Um, and you have your two tight end system going on. So yeah, I just, I, I don't really get it. And I, that's why I have you all the way at nine. You know, it was actually really funny. Uh, we were at the park the other day and Wells mentioned that for him, the, 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 he's only, you know, this is his third season and basically his first two seasons have been championship game and semifinals. So he's never not, he, for, not only has he not ever made the playoffs, but he's never, the, the, his worst season so far has been not make, like was just making the semifinals, which is some people in our league have not even made the semifinals yet. So I, I have him at 11, but Wells is like this mastermind tinkerer doing something behind the scenes. Obviously he is kind of a huge boost to the, the Corey locker room, which is why, you know, I think there's more of the L's in, in their core L's than core in it. So <laughs> uh, I, I do have him at 11, but I think Wells has something going on behind the scenes that we don't know that, that, that what's, what's happening. Well, all I know is that you really got to improve that team name at some point, but Wells, uh, you, you know what, at some point there's a fall from grace and you're not going to make the playoffs. But I think it is pretty funny that in both of your years, you have done better than the empty trophy division, which I've now renamed. So good job. And hopefully, actually, you're in my division. So hopefully this is the year that, that you don't make the playoff. <laughs> that was your nine? Yeah, that was my nine. Um, my eight is actually Russell. I had him at 10 last week, and he did have a good week, but I just can't put him above eight with his RB2 being Devin Singletary and him not even having a third running back. Yeah, it's weird. I can't do it. It's always this hard balance in the rankings, and I feel like I'm very inconsistent with it, of judging people's current rosters, like starting lineups versus their bench. And obviously the bench needs to be you know put into consideration but the starting lineup is more because you know until they get hurt they're not hurt right you know we're we're basically looking at the lineups and saying well if this person gets hurt you have no one to replace them with but if he doesn't get hurt for the season maybe you should be higher so I actually I have Russell at five because I do think outside of just that RB2 he has a very decent starting lineup and he has very good depth at everywhere besides uh, running back you know, he has, like, a ton of wide receivers. He has two tight ends. Like, he, he's very set up for any kind of injury that is not a running back injury. Obviously, I feel like running back injuries are more common, or at least they're much more impactful. So you would want more depth at running back. But for now, I have him at five with his starting lineup. Yeah, I think that makes sense, too. Um, at seven, I have your team. Um, I think your team had a good week, but I just kind of similar to what, uh, to what you were saying about my team last week is that aside from McCaffrey, I just am not really scared of anyone else popping off for like 30 to 35 points. And I think that the Mark Ingram, JK Dobbins situation, along with Le'Veon Bell being on IR was just kind of a killer to your running back depth. And I mean, obviously McCaffrey and Aaron Jones is a, is a great combo of running backs, 
but I'm a little worried about that going forward. And also, I don't know how Paris Campbell's going to do. Um, I think he's probably the second wide receiver in Indy, but with the emergence, if Michael Pittman, who's their like prized rookie happens, then I think Paris Campbell's going to take a little bit of a step back too. So I have you at seven for that reason. I think my team, and I was saying this yesterday to you, I think my this is one of the weirdest teams I've had. I've never ranked my team in a power ranking, not one, like going, like at least since we've started doing this, at least not for the first two weeks. I, I feel like my team has a, a very high floor, but a low ceiling. And I think that high floor could take me to the two very far in the champion in the in the season and in the playoffs i think that i have very consistent players like players i'm not worried about that are going to be boomer bust and i think as the season goes on some of my players like tyler boyd and paris campbell are gonna uh, play out so i have myself at three okay (laughs) we will see who do you play this week Who do you play this week? I play Caniglio, which is never a great Oh, Caniglio. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway, going forward, I have Noah at six. Um, I had Noah at – okay. I had Noah at four last week. Um, I Watching Kyler Murray against the San Francisco defense, which is like one of the, if not the best defense in football, was like amazing because he was running. I think he had almost 100 yards rushing or 100 yeah. yards rushing. And like that's realistic to happen. Like it could happen a lot of weeks if it's going to happen against the 49ers. Plus Hopkins looked amazing too. So I love his Kyler Murray pick. Jacobs had the most points um, of last week, but I guess – the reason I have him so low is his poor management of not picking up a defense. And also, um, as you said, if he has just played the normal lineup that he would have had, he probably would have won the game. Yeah, I'm at eight. I think he has one of the best rostered teams. I just think that he has so many decisions he has to make every week. I don't trust him to make the right one every time. And not to say like not – like it's a weird thing to say because obviously it's better to have the players than to not have the players. But if – but – he has almost too many good players, if that makes sense. Like, he has too many people to choose between, which is going to cause so much dilemma in who he should go with. And he's going to have sent just with the way he thinks, he's going to constantly be trying to do these like Boston Scott types moves and X, Y, Z. So I, I think he's going to win a lot of games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if no one makes the playoffs. I just think there's going to be a lot of weeks where it's, he's going to be like, oh, my God, I should have played Marquise Brown over Tyler Lockett. And it's like, how can you – first of all, I, I, you're going to kill yourself every week that it happens because obviously you're going to play Lockett over Marquise Brown most of the time. I will be willing to bet that – he so he's playing Dallas Goddard over Noah Fant this week. I'd be willing to bet that Noah Fant has a better game than Dallas Goddard this week. That, that's the, Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like he has too many, too many things. To, which is a weird, At every position. Exactly, which is a weird thing to say. Um, okay, and uh, you know what? I'm so happy for Lee. Like, I'm very proud of him. I have him at five. Um, I had him at 11 last week, and we said a lot of it wasn't because of his roster, but because of his prior management that made us put him so low. 
And I think looking at Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he could be the top scoring running back at the end of the year. On Well, probably not. McCaffrey will probably be top, but he could be the second running back at the end of the year. And Lee could ride this team to the playoffs. I don't know how long it's been since Lee's made the playoffs, but Lee, we're all rooting for you here on the podcast. We're, we're a Lee team on this podcast. It's Lee's division. He, it's weird, you know, it, it reminds me very much of like that Quarles team from our second season, that one where Corey kind of managed it, didn't really pay attention sometimes, would set his roster, but kind of walked his way into the playoffs and had a good enough team. You know, he's got the pieces and he's got, a, you know, the Steelers defense is going to be, I think, one of the best. I really wanted to draft them. I was going to draft them like in the, like fairly early in the draft, but he had already taken them that round. I think he's got the piece. If, if Connor can come back, I think he can make a huge run at, at the playoffs. But I had him, for you. I still had him low just because of management. I've met 10. I moved him up from 12. Okay. You're still moving on up in both of our list leagues, so keep it up. Yeah. Um, number four, I had Coniglio. Even though he had a very disappointing performance, I think there's a lot to like about his team. Um, and originally, I thought that Jalen Rieger would be hurt for longer, and he's back. Um, and I, I just think that a lot of his players, even though they had bad weeks, still looked pretty good. Zeke apparently was in the best he's looked in God knows how long. And, and I, I don't know. Kenny, you have depth, and I really like your team. Yeah, I had, I, I, I had him at two last. I had him at two last week, Canigley, and I have him at two again this week. I, I don't think – I know he lost quite bad, but I think he just had tough matchups. So. Yeah, I think – yeah, so his average between both of us is a three. So good job, Canigley. You're still looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have Scott at three, even though he had a bad week. I'm a Scott believer this year. and. I looked at the projection or like what the, yes, not like they mean anything, but like what ESPN thinks we're all going to score. And Scott and Coniglio are the two highest uh, projected scoring teams this week. Yes. And I think Scott's team really does look good. And Jonathan Taylor, if he can really put it together as the starting running back, like the sky's the limit for you, Scott. Don't fuck it up. I, I've got a nine. I had him at ten last week. I just I need him just I need his team just I need to see his team do something before I put him up, but I think there's potential. Okay. Scott, I think that's the best you're gonna get from Galbutt. Your team has potential, so <laughs> you gotta put it together. Um my number two team, which made a humongous jump. I had him at nine last week, but I have Wyatt at two. I have Wyatt at one. Oh, okay. Hey, Wyatt, you've got a lot of support from uh, from the podcast this week, but I think, you know, your team has only gotten better, which Gelbach kind of touched on. Um, Montgomery's not hurt, and, you know, Melvin Gordon's going to be the number one guy for a while. Your team is just trending upwards, and keep it going. Keep it going, Wyatt. Yeah, I agree. I think he's People always over – I think this week he has a lot of tough matchups, at least just based off of last week's performances. Uh, but, you know, people always sleep on Russell Wilson, and he is like such a – he is such a team – he 
he's a he's a fantasy game winner. Like he, there are so many weeks Wyatt's gonna win off of huge performances off of Russell Wilson. So I I think Wyatt is really is poised for. I think it's it's been a while since we've seen Wyatt in the playoffs. I think this is gonna be a big. I mean, I I predicted him to win the whole league this year. So this is a way is a big big Wyatt year. So who's your one? Hashtag let who? It's a big hashtag trending. Hashtag let Russ cook. Oh, okay. Right. Like right. to unleash Russell. Right. Um, and my number one has not changed. You could call it bias, but I did score the most points in the first week and picked up Malcolm Brown. So I'm going to keep myself a one. I think Aaron Rodgers looked as fresh as he has. For the last few years, Devontae Adams is going to be a target monster going forward because they don't have anybody else. And um, I really like my team going forward. Yeah, I, I, I bumped you up. I bumped you up from nine to seven. I think there are a lot of times we've seen in the past teams having huge performances week one, and then all of a sudden, I think that I was on a team that happens to a lot where I'll have a huge week one, and then week two, I'll score 60 points. So, Let's see how week two goes. And I think there's a lot, you know, that you have room. There's definitely room to grow. I don't think I'm not capping you off at seven. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. And so now let's move on to our predictions of the week. But before we do, we have to talk about our sponsor, Villa Monte. Villa Monte and Old Beth Page. Come, how come they don't have a little spiel? Anyway, Villamonte is the sponsor. You know them, you love them. We all love their salad. What's your favorite slice of Villamonte? Um, chicken a la vodka. It's got to be. Really? I don't think that's that much of a surprise. It's either oh. chicken a la vodka or ravioli a la vodka. When was the last time like you ordered a, When was the last time you got a chicken a la vodka slice there? I guess you don't. Yes, you don't go to New Plainview that often, so that's not a fair question. I don't really live in New York. Right, right, right. So I forgot. I forgot. Okay, so I'm a sweet and spicy chicken guy. The sky's the limit at Villa Monte with the with the types of pizzas you can get there. They have a mac and cheese pizza. They've got your meatball. You've got your bacon ranch. Go to Monte. Drop the RRIP promo code. They'll give you 10% off any order of $15 or more. That's RRIP 15% off. So going into matchups. Week two, this, I mean, there's a lot of important games here when it comes to just kind of setting the tone for the season. You know, the difference between starting off 2-0 and versus 0-2 is it's mentally draining being 0-2 and trying to just have to kind of fight your way back to playoff contention. So I'll start from my top and we'll go through there. So the first – Hold on, so – Wait, so before we go into that, I think we should do a fun little segment. And we kind of mentioned this last week of, the, of our three most likely players All right. to crack coronavirus. That's fair. I forgot. Yep. Um, I'm going to go first so that you don't take mine. Uh, my number one was Odell Beckham. He just seems like the kind of guy who – I don't know this for a fact, and I've never heard this anywhere, but he seems like the kind of guy who would even want to get, like, pooped on. So – I can't. He seemed, he. I wouldn't be surprised if he were to turn out like he contracted COVID, especially with he probably lives a party lifestyle and you know, girls out the wazoo. I, I can relate. It's crazy. So I'm going Odell, my number one. 
Okay, do you want to go through your three and then I'll go through mine? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, my number two was Baker. He seems like someone who's going to get really depressed really quickly about his season and then maybe turn to want to do some extracurricular activities during his, his time off. And then number three for me is kind of, it's a little bit weird. I'm going Drew Brees. He seems like someone who would be like, who wouldn't believe that COVID really exists and would be like, oh, you don't have to wear a mask. It's fine. Oh my God. Like I can just go out and do anything. Oh, there's a vaccine. I don't believe in vaccines. I'm not going to take it. He seems like a COVID guy. I think Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins both share the same, if I die, I die mindset. Right. So, um, so for me, my number one is Gronk. There's no uh, way that Gronk is staying out of the bar and the clubs for more than like two days at a time. He <laughs> will get COVID at some point. Um, my number two was Odell. By the way, uh, so I'm going to change it because you had, you had Odell already, but I'm pretty sure there was a study, or I saw it on Twitter, that like one of the universities found COVID in like the poop samples or like in, in people's like in, you know, in, in whatever, in the sewage. So I think Odell would love to, you know, find a little more out about that study and, uh, and study the effects of that on coronavirus. But so instead of that at two, I'm going to say Sam Darnold because he's a mono guy and, you know, he's still trying to make out with people. So I'd say he's pretty likely and that's very Jeff's. And I think number three for me is Josh Gordon because he's going to puff, puff, pass constantly yeah. and will share the players with somebody. Those are three really solid ones. Let us know on Facebook. You can text us who you think your top three COVID players are. And, you know, we'll start a pool and maybe with some of our ad revenue, we'll give the anyone who is correct a little bit of a little, share, a little piece of the pie. But moving I like on, that idea. let's go into matchups. Uh, you know, I'm, we'll go through them in the way you list them here. So the first matchup you have is yourself against Corals. Let me just pull it up on our fantasy homepage, which again uh, can be fantasy-franchise.com slash NFL slash ESPN slash our league number, which is 60943. And so we have Siler against Corals which, Siler, you were up in that series 10-7. to 7. Most recently was you, you losing to him last year 83-108, um, to 108, which was no surprise of how your season went last year. Quarles is currently on a two-game winning streak against you. But this week, from a projection standpoint, you are projected to lose 123-116. to 116. All that, I have to go with Quarles. I mean, I think he's on the hot streak in the series, the projections. He's got some good matchups. Miles Sanders coming back. I think that I doubted my team against Coniglio because of the matchups, and I'm not going to do that again. I have them at, I believe, nine in my power ranking to myself at one. So just based on that alone, I'm going to pick myself. Okay. Next up, we have myself against Caniglio. Caniglio is up on me 12-3 to three in, our, in our matchups over the last 10 years, uh, most recently beating me 143-126. to 126. 
but I, that was actually in the playoffs. I had beaten him in the regular season, 138 to 100 um, in the regular season. And then I had also, and then, but I'd all, so we played each other three times last year. He won the series uh, two to three with the last game being in the playoffs. Uh, but in this season, I am projected to lose 124 to 113, very similar to you. Um, unfortunately for Coniglio, this is no longer the year of Steven, which means that he will be going 0-12, and I will be picking myself. Siler? Oh, no. I think we're... We're dealing with some technical difficulties here. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. There's a bit in it. No, it's okay. I can hear you now. You can even try turning off your video if you want. I, we don't have to. Who did you? I picked myself. Who did you choose? Okay. Um, I am going to use history and use Coniglio. I'm going to pick Coniglio. I think, as I said, his team is really, really good, and you thought so too based on your power rankings. And I think he's going to take this matchup. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Noah against Nate, which is one of our big, bigger rivalries in the league. Nate is up in the series 10-3 to and is currently on a three-game winning streak, winning three games, one game last year and two games in the 2018 season. In our current league right now, Nate is projected to uh, – several loads – Nate is projected to win or actually lose 114 to 114.1 to 113.9. Uh, does Noah have a defense yet? I haven't even looked at that. He yeah, he does have a defense. He has the Saints defense, which, you know, they look pretty good against Tom Brady, so that would be a crazy pickup if they ended up being. Wait, who did he drop for Saints defense? I don't know. We should take a look at that. Very recent. Uh, Boston Scott, he dropped, uh, which makes okay. sense. Anyway, so it's projected to be a very close game. Uh, Nate is currently on a three-game winning streak. I think he loses the win streak, and I think Noah takes the game. I think that Nate's going to win, and I think Noah's going to choose the wrong combination of players because it's just a classic thing to happen in this rivalry, and I will pick Nate. Our next matchup is Wyatt against Brian. Brian, where are you? There you are. Brian is up six to three in the series and currently on a three-game winning streak, winning in 2019, 2018, and 2017. In our league, though, the projections go that Brian is projected to win 115 to 113. This is a weird game because I think uh, – I'm going to actually go with Wyatt. I think Wyatt wins this and kind of solidifies that first place spot in his division. So Brian, I know I've pooped on your team a lot, but I really hate Wyatt's matchups this week with Melvin Gordon against Pittsburgh. I mean, Bill Belichick is, is obviously one of the best defensive minds in, that football's ever seen. And Russell Wilson's going to have to deal with that. And I hate that I'm doing it, but I'm going to have to pick Brian. And I'm pretty sure that we have, picked the exact opposites in every single game so far. So that's pretty good. It usually ends up with, ends up with us with a 50-50 split. Yeah, that's true. Uh, next up, we have Dane against Russell. Russell historically is up in the series 4-3 to three and on a one-game winning streak. From a projection standpoint, he projected to win 116-103. I'm going to go with Russell. 
I just think he had with Dane has too many injuries right now to put up a good fight against against uh, Russell. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think without Michael Thomas, Dane's team is looking pretty weak, and I'm going to go with Russell. And our last matchup we have is Scott against Lee. They've played each other 18 times throughout the league's history. Um, the most recently in week 12 of 2019, in which Scott won 90 to 77. Really great matchup there, guys. Scott is up 10 to 8 in the series, obviously on a one game winning streak, like I just mentioned. In our league, he is projected to win 126 to 111. I'm going to go with Scott. I'm a Scott team through and through this year. I'm also going to go with Scott. All right, so then just to recap, I have Corals, myself, Noah Wyatt, Russell, Scott winning. You have yourself, Caniglio, Nate, Brian, Russell, Scott winning. Okay, so at the end, we, we, we met at the end. So it's really, we have a four games where we can kind of build up our league. Right now, we're, th- we're both three and three. Uh, I had predicted that Caniglio, Nate, and Noah were going to win last week, which were wrong. You had said Caniglio, Nate, and Scott were going to win, which was wrong. So it's anyone's game. Week two, guys, I can't believe we made it this far. Every week's a blessing. Hopefully in the next week or so, we'll start bringing on guests. But signing off, I'm your host, Andrew Gelblatt. Siler, thank you for another good episode. Any last words? Um, Good luck to everybody. And Lee, Keep up that good momentum. We're all rooting for you. All right, everyone. Have a good week. Oh, thank you.